With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm in this world and they made me a monster. Welcome and back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. Yeah. I'm Alex Chester. So with me as always, Wheels Wienercraft. Wheels, how's it rolling? So Wait, so the, the podcast is called 32 Fans, but you said 32 Fans in 32 Days, but technically that's, again, what we're doing, right? We're doing 32 Fans in yeah. 32 Days. Yeah, in August, over 32 Days, we release podcasts with 32 Fans. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so this is the 32 Fans in 32 Days session of the 32 Fans podcast, which okay. is year round. But the re- so 11 months a year... Minus a day were 32 fans. But the other 32 days of the year were called 32 fans in 32 days as our podcast name? Yep. Okay. Sh- sure. Why don't we just call ourselves something totally different the, re- the other 11 months? <laughs> well, we discussed this uh, like in the winter, last winter, right? Like the hot take happy hour or something we wanted. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't come up with anything. It's not we couldn't come up. I don't think you should switch your name three times for one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, like starting over. We're, you know, all the... Yeah. The legions of our listeners would would have to, yeah. Well, not well. Look, now we're less than now we're just twelve days away from the NFL season, and mm-hmm. so we have the NFC West today, and then after that we have two more divisions to go. It'll be the South. Both both Souths are still to come. Yeah, the South but, will rise again. Yeah, but today it's the NFC West with uh, two of the best teams in the NFL and two of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean the Rams have some potential. To, uh, they're not the worst. They're like the most mediocre. I mean, they, well, they have the coach with the uh, biggest extension for some insane reason. <laughs> I I always judge the Hard Knocks team by what I see on Hard Knocks, but I've been like, I, I was pretty lukewarm, I think, on the Texans based on Bill O'Brien. I wasn't super impressed with him. I wasn't super hot. I think who was two years ago, the Dolphins. Uh, you know, it was petrified by Rex a few years ago. Depends on, but usually they scare me away because the coach is never some like genius. But the Cardinals on all or nothing. I was I was in on the Cardinals. Yeah, everybody likes Bruce Arians. Uh, we'll, so we'll get to talk to Kyrie091 about that today. But I have so many questions for our Rams guest. I want to ask him, you know, he's in L.A. Like, what, what, who is he a fan of the last 20 years? Sure. And what does he think about Jeff Fisher? There's, there's so many things to talk to him about. Yeah. Yeah, the, the performance of his team is really low on the list of things to talk to him about. <laughs> All right, can we talk about our, uh, our first ever 32 fans pool that we're going to run? Yeah. So why don't, do you want to first mention your other pools? Yeah. Okay. So porn? Chester and I, I run it, but Chester is, uh, is usually of great assistance. We run a, a pool called uh, four. It's four in one pool. It's one pool which with four different elements. 
uh, the survivor pool where you pick a different team every week to win. And if they win, you, you go on, but you can't pick the same team twice. And the exact, exact opposite of that, an anti-survivor pool where you pick a team to lose every week. And then we have something called uh, Fantasy Survivor where you pick like a quarterback, a running back, and receiver, and a defense every week. It has to be a different one. Quarterback has to 200 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns. The receiver, whatever. I'll, if, if it sounds interesting, I'll email you the rules. Uh, the defense has to allow under 27 points that week. So it, it's Survivor, but, for, uh, but with a little fantasy spin. And then the fourth pool is what's generally known as a pick six pool. You pick six games against the spread. If you win all six, you get you get the pot. But it's the pool's gotten bigger, so I moved it to a pick seven pool this year because too many. It was too easy to win, so you have to pick. You have to go seven and zero against the spread. Pick any seven games. Anyway, so that pool has become a little bit popular, and anyone who wants can is welcome. Tweet or email me, and uh, and we'll set you up. But we want to do a smaller thirty-two fan specific pool that we could talk about on the podcast or whatever. So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a pick'em pool. But with a little bit of a twist that your picks go against the different listener or, I guess, host every week. And I think if we get at least 10 people, we'll run it. We could get, you could have an infinite number, more than 10, as long as it's an even number. But I think we'll, 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 we'll shoot for at least 10. I think we should get it. Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, go to tinyurl.com slash 32fanspool. tinyurl.com slash 32fanspool. It'll be straightforward. Just you pick uh, who's going to win and lose every game every week. That's yeah. it. Yes. Uh, and your picks go against somebody else. Yeah, uh, and you could be mad that you had the third best week, but you you know went up against the guy with the best week, and some dummy went six and ten, but he went up against somebody who went five and eleven. Yeah, we'll do that. So any any pool needs, we we could have you covered. Fantasy football probably got spots there. Yeah, and you know these pools are important because these pools are really the genesis of this podcast and our of our relationship because I'm actually searching through Google archives to find out the first time we interacted. Yeah, I think we checked this once. It's only yeah. yeah you you started being my pool and you're like hey you know there's like too low tech I want to help you out with uh, putting some stuff in the Excel and then you took over the yeah Excel so sheet. well so so the first mention of you was in 2009 Shamaria forwarded me your top 100 top 10 Jets losses of all time okay for the defunct website the Vertex or Vortex and I and I angrily responded to those terrible uh to the, that 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 terrible list that you had at the time that's in 2009 mm-hmm. and then yeah and then in 2011 so akiva you know we, we do the four in one pool for football there's also a four in one pool for march madness in the spring yeah that's more popular yeah yeah so i joined your four in one pool or maybe it was your players pool actually in march of 2011 yeah, the players pool that's where we we yeah. pick a, a team of players in the NCAA tournament that's like our most that's like the only pool we have that has like a waiting list. I joined your, that pool of yours in 2011 and that's how we got to know each other exclusively through various gamblings and since then a, any sporting event that can be gambled on like we had a uh, we had a Winter Olympics uh, pool in, in the 2014 Winter Olympics. Yeah, that was a big hit. We yeah, we had the World Cup pool of course in, in the summer of 2014. That made that spin. That, that made dead spin, spin. that's yeah. correct. Uh, we had of course the Olympics pool that just ended which also made dead spin. <laughs> yeah, different reasons. Uh, that we got paid yeah. to make dead spin on that one though. We got paid. I haven't gotten my check. Uh, well, yet. I got. Well, neither have I. So we're even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really all these pools, and we we never really before we started doing this podcast, we had only met once for a total of ten seconds, which is you were ordering mass ordering. Major no, not me. You're, you're making it seem like I have any make oh, any someone else to do anything it. with it. My friend. Wow. Some, yeah, someone was like mass ordering from those like Chinese websites that make jerseys at like super cheap prices. Again, we have no ethics or principles on this podcast. And so I ordered a Kirby Puckett throwback. I have a Mets Ike Davis that immediately got ruined. Not just because he got traded. It's literally like <laughs> like a grape juice stain on it or something. Oh. I guess. 
But for some reason, I don't even know why, but for some reason, you, who I didn't even know, had my Kirby Puckett jersey, and you were in a fantasy football draft at Steen's house apartment in Riverdale, New yeah. York, mm-hmm. in the Bronx, in yes. the Boogie Down Bronx. And you had my Kirby Puckett jersey, and so I walked into... Uh, How do you know the Boogie Down Bronx? How am I familiar? Like, I lived in the Bronx, but I don't understand But who calls it that? Everybody calls it that. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a joke. For, forget it. Forget it. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Where, where have you heard it from? Forget it. It's not interesting. Did, 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 some, did somebody tell you that they invented it? No, I don't know. So, oh, this isn't like Richard Lewis trying to claim that he invented the blank from hell? No. It's not like that. Anybody who tries to claim they invent anything, uh, a great one, uh, our uh, mutual acquaintance, Danny Groner, used to like to claim that his grandfather invented the tune to the first paragraph of the traditional Jewish grace after meals. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that one before? Have you ever heard him claim that? Can you sing the tune? Really? No, he didn't. But the reason he makes that claim is because he says... How do you know he didn't? Because he's admitted to it. Oh, he just invented Oh, okay. It's a good ridiculous claim to make because nobody knows who invented that, but everybody in the Jewish world knows that tune. Okay. I mean, not not if you're singing it to them. I've never heard the tune you're singing, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so should we, should we turn to the, what are we talking about again? The NFC West. <laughs> NFC West. The Los yeah, Angeles so, Rams. Yeah. So once again, if you want to join our uh, 32 fans pick em pool, it'll be tinyurl.com slash 32 fans pool. tinyurl.com slash 32 fans pool. Anything else? Oh, should we ask people to give us reviews? We haven't asked that for a while. Yeah, please. We, I feel like uh, we, we get very few reviews on iTunes compared to how much feedback we get. So. It really doesn't take any time. Give us five yeah. stars. Give us one star. Instead of tweeting at us, go give us an iTunes review because that helps. Uh, I don't even know what it does, but yeah. every podcast asks for it. I so think if like something. everyone on earth gave us five stars, we would be uh, on like the iTunes page or something. <laughs> something to shoot for. Our, our Washington fan who missed uh, last week's episode, of course, for personal reasons, he was emailing me separately. And he asked me how much I make on this podcast and what exactly my long-term goals about this podcast are. Wow. Well, wow, very career oriented, this Redskins fan who I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I told him uh, I make negative dollars, and I yeah. uh, no idea why I'm doing it. Yeah, we make no money. I assume Eric, our, our who hosts this for free, probably loses money on on uh, hosting fees every month. Yeah, and but I'm not saying this like for something. I don't don't send me money. Like sometimes people ask to like help support the pirate trip. If you have money and you no, donate, someone's asking you to help support this podcast. No, I'm saying that would be terrible. Like I'd rather you give your money to. To Akiva. ISIS or Donald Trump, like what? What are you talking <laughs> at about? At least that's at least that's a cause. Say what you will for national socialism. At least no, it's an no, 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 no. That's absurd. <laughs> okay, fine. Don't give your money to ISIS or Donald Trump. Sorry, you're an idiot. <laughs> no, well, okay. Just, what, what? If you really like this podcast and want to support it financially, where should you give the money to? Instead? No, you shouldn't support this. We don't. We don't. We should, no one should support this podcast financially. Oh, I agree. Hundred percent. Where, where did it, it come up? I'm like baffled that someone <laughs> said it to you. Nobody's offering me any money. I would have taken it. The problem is that you are always offering other people money. You offer somebody ten bucks if they watch the uh, the race walk. Oh, did I tell you what happened with that? Well, tell tell the listeners. The just pretend like I didn't tell you, you dummy. Um, <laughs> I yeah. So I wrote in the in the um, in the my Deadspin article. I wrote if you watch the men's twenty kilometer race walk, I'll give you ten dollars. Which. I wasn't really thinking. I should have said it for the 50-kilometer, which is almost unwatchable. <laughs> not only because, uh, not only because the, the leader had severe, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> severe gastrointestinal things. Oh, my things God. It was that, so gross. I saw it. Yeah, that's been... yeah you, you, don't, you can't even imagine how, how gross the stories I was reading about that were. So, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You've been, you've been distracted by fecal matter. What were we talking about? <laughs> Before we talk about a Frenchman's fecal matter, we were talking about the fact that you offered somebody ten dollars if they watched a twenty. Oh yeah. So walk. so one guy live tweeted the entire race walk to me <laughs> with like dozens of tweets. <laughs> And he was the only per like after I wrote the article, like twelve people messaged me. I'm like, I'm in. I'm registering for that ten bucks. I'm going to win it. <laughs> and literally, only this guy mentions it the whole morning. It's Friday morning, and then someone swoops in the second it finishes and said, "Hey man, I watched the whole thing. Uh, where can I get my ten bucks?" So how did the guy? How did the other guy react? Very. I thought I was going to have like an insane fight between them, and I was going to have to like give them both ten dollars or like. You know, uh, King Solomon to five bucks a peach. Uh, he's like, it's fine. I didn't want to watch the. I didn't want the money anyway. He even like live tweeted me the next race walk also. <laughs> so he just maybe loves the race walk. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, by the way, my next. I'll say now, twenty twenty. My whole thing is gonna. I'm gonna watch every three hundred six this time. I think it's like three eighteen or three twenty or whatever. Next time, I'm watching every Olympic event. I'm gonna write about it. You're going to watch every single Olympic event? How is that possible when they're happening simultaneously? I mean, some will be like, I'll DVR. I'll, ha- I'll watch everything within 24 hours of when it's on. You're going to say you're going to watch part of every event or you're going to watch every single no, event? No, part of every event. Part of every oh. event. Okay. <laughs> I mean, some things uh, obviously like the shortest. Why don't, just, th- why don't you just go to Tokyo? You'll probably save money. No, well, it would, I, I would watch like three things then. That's like, why don't you go to the NFL game near your house every Sunday because you'd miss the other 12 games going on on Sunday? Right. Yeah, but then, but then you could be sitting there in the room while one's on and watching the other on your phone. Why, why wouldn't it. I? Why would? Why do they have like better internet there? I'm sure they do. But like, <laughs> what, what? I. Well, in Rio, I'm sure not. But in in Tokyo, I'm sure they do. I was on a flight from Florida, New York, and I had my daughter wanted to watch like the live gymnastics. It was the last day of gymnastics. I, this is the last time we'll talk about the Olympics, if anyone's concerned. I don't know. We're, this is, we're just recording this in advance. So I whipped out my computer. We got on the JetBlue internet, and we were watching. Uh, Simone do the floor exercise and then like because it was JetBlue on my TV I had like volleyball and then on the TV of the guy next to me I was watching soccer and she was watching Tom and Jerry and you know so it was like I had three things on even on the plane so I could handle when I'm not on a plane like having 10 screens open yeah uh, so that's my goal for the next Olympics All anyway right, so should we get, let's, should we get the NFC yeah West? let's talk about NFC West I'm excited we got we have uh, two terrible teams with really really good guests and two really good teams with, with terrible also guests. good guests well, oh, less, who, uh, less, less professional guests well, to be fair, I don't know who any of our guests are, so I'm, I, I don't know. You book these things, and I literally right now don't know. I could guess our Seahawks guest because he's been our Seahawks guest uh, forever. But other than that, I, I couldn't even tell you any of the other three guests. Yep. All right. So let's bring him and the rest of them on. All right, Akiva. So now let's turn to our guests and uh, talk NFC West for a few minutes. We, we sound depressed. Depre- well, look, the two of the Vikings' biggest gut punch losses last year were to the Seahawks, obviously, in the playoffs in Arizona in that Thursday night game. So I'm a little depressed about that. But um, they're don't, also don't forget the, about the ass kicking uh, of the CIs. Yeah. <laughs> hold up, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta point out. You just said, "Let's turn to our guests in the NFC West." You sound depressed. Why did no one else catch that? That was a yeah, rhyme marathon. The, yeah, this is a rhyming podcast today. That's okay. true. You better uh, take look, that Akiva, out, <laughs> Akiva. I, I think you know. I sent you my power rankings. I have two of the teams in this division at number one and number two in my power rankings. So this is a division I respect, or at least half of it. No, I didn't open up your email with your power rankings. I don't even uh, remember getting okay. it. Well, uh, those two teams uh, are probably not the Rams and Niners, but we'll find out. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, so we have four fantastic guests with us today, uh, returning as he uh, as he does once a year. Is uh, Josh Gresham, our Seahawks guest. Josh, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? 
Good. You've uh, you've moved since uh, the last time you were on our podcast. How's the Midwest? I right have. Now? It's great, man. I'm sitting in yeah. a house and not confined to one room of an apartment. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. You're, you went from a, a single man on the Upper West Side of Manhattan to a married man in Columbus, Ohio. It's quite a transition. Yep. Living the suburban dream. <laughs> exactly. Here to discuss the San Francisco 49ers, we have Oscar Aparicio, who is the producer and host of the Better Rivals podcast, which, n- not that I'm like an expert on 49ers podcasts, but according to like the 49ers Reddit, that is the, uh, the best uh, 49ers podcast in the business. So, uh, Oscar, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, gentlemen? It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us. And then for the Rams, back in Los Angeles, we have Brad Mater, who's co-host of the Rams podcast at ramspodcast.com. Brad, welcome to How the podcast. Doing, yeah, thank you. How are you guys doing? Did you have a Rams podcast before they moved to LA, or is this new? This is new. Um, the funny thing is I actually moved to LA the exact same day the Rams did. So I was just excited to have football back in the city I was going to, and uh, we kind of jumped on a little bit before the draft. Were you a St. Louis Rams fan? No, no, I wasn't. I actually, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a nomad here. I'm actually Chicago-raised. Yeah, you and, have a Bears um, hat in your Skype uh, profile picture. Well, I don't know. If, is that a, is <laughs> yeah. that a nomad or is that like a, like a front-runner type of thing? Well, I just got back from Australia I don't know if well, joining so the Rams. I, I, yeah, it says on Skype you're also in Melbourne. I don't know right. if joining the – becoming a Rams fan makes you a front-runner. You should have yeah. picked a Seahawks normally, fan. I know, but he's like – Normally when like you gr- start adding on to someone, it's just the Seahawks, really. That's usually the, what you people join late and just like, oh, right. I'm a Seahawks fan all of a sudden. This is new yeah. for the Rams. And then they got a jersey with 12 on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back. He's a we'll grown-up, though. You, like, you, you didn't have a favorite <laughs> team before the, before the Rams? No, I was a Bears fan. I grew up a Bears fan. Keeve is fascinated by this. Yeah. Well, I, I want to discuss that more, but let's just uh, let us welcome our last guest. We have a uh, returning as he did last year when he had a fearless the returning champion. A, well, they, he t- he predicted they go like thirteen and three, and I scoffed, especially off the air. I really scoffed. Yeah, uh, but he, he turned out to be right, and and so was Akiva because Akiva picked the Cardinals to uh, go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. So, That's right. uh, Kyrie, welcome back to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. Looking forward to a, a ton of fun. Let's get it done, son. Yeah, Kyrie also has his uh, weekly Cardinals podcast, Kyrie's Cards Cast on YouTube. All right, so um, we'll get started. Actually, we'll start at the bottom of the division. Oscar, that's you, obviously. Yep, that's so, me. Yeah, your, your 49ers, uh, you know, after a meteoric rise uh, with a couple of years of Harbaugh, have shot right back to the bottom again in dramatic fashion. And there just seem to be holes all over the place. But let's let's start right at the quarterback position. I can't understand what this team was doing last year when they gave the job to Gabbard over Kaepernick. Maybe Kaepernick was injured. Uh, Pro Football Focus. In the 10 years that Pro Football Focus has been giving quarterback grades, Blaine Gabbard has the lowest grade they've ever given. So I guess my first question for you, Oscar, is how the hell is that guy competing with Colin Kaepernick, who two years ago was like had a slight edge over Russell Wilson as the best quarterback in the league younger than Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, it really is a case study in in how not to handle a quarterback. I, I think really it's a couple of things. One, it's that Colin Kaepernick does a couple of things not so very well that you need to quarterback well in this league. Uh, and that's specifically, one, just not having very, very good pocket presence. He gets a little skittish in the pocket and he tries to run around a bit too much. Uh, and two, I think he does have a bit of trust issues with his receivers and doesn't like to throw them open. He would rather see them open before he throws it. Those are two kind of fundamental things that, that a quarterback needs to do well. And in the last two years, his accuracy has just dropped off the face of the earth. So I think all that kind of created the window for allowing someone like a Blaine Gabbert to come in and basically like Alex Smith 2.0 his way into the job. Because at this point, he's nothing more than someone who's going to check down, 
at basically every opportunity and maybe give you like a glimmer of hope on one play that makes you think like, oh, okay, he might do that for a long time. And then you realize that you're looking at like Yo Gabba Gabbard. So this is really like we're seeing Max Blaine, I think, last year was as good as you're going to get with Blaine Gabbard. He's another captain checkdown. And I think every 49ers fan is hoping that Colin Kaepernick comes up and does what we know he can do. But until then, this is unfortunately Gabbard's team to lose. Oh my God. Well, look, on the other hand, though, under Chip Kelly, Nick Foles, Mark Sanchez and Sam Bradford all look better than they did under anyone else. I absolutely agree. And the thing with Chip Kelly that most people don't really, well, he said it before himself, is that really what he looks for is repetitive accuracy, which I think is kind of like a little redundant, right? It's like if you're accurate, you're accurate all of the time, hopefully, not just like some of the time. If he likes consistency, he's going to love Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, consistently terrible, right? And that's what you're you're going to get. And but this is the thing with Blaine Gabbard is he's going to throw like you look at the, the preseason game that just happened against the Denver Broncos. So you've got the 49ers who love to run under Chip Kelly. They love to run the snag concept. It's a three receiver concept where the flat guy is your third read. He's the guy that you get to after two hitches. You basically read that like top to bottom. And on this route concept, Blaine Gabbert hits hit the, the last step of his drop and immediately throws at the check down guy. It's like he didn't even try to throw it deep. He's not even thinking throw it deep. He's just like, oh, hit my back step. Got to go check down. Like, that's who he is. And sure, that gets you, you know, a completion. It looks good on the stat sheet, but it's not necessarily what you want your quarterback to do if you're trying to, you know, get first downs. So it it is, it's going to be interesting. I I think, honestly, at the end of this preseason, it's probably going to be Gabbard's job. He's going to get pummeled over the first four games of the year. You're going to turn to Colin Kaepernick. And my hope is that in those four games, he's going to be able to do enough to wrestle that starting job away from Blaine Gabbard and do so for the rest of the year. Alex, did you know that Christian Ponder's on this roster also? Yeah, because Vikings Twitter had a field day when they they just signed him last week. Yeah, he's, he was sign. signed for just a few days. And I think, honestly, he was signed on the strength of the one game where Christian Ponder looked like a competent quarterback. And that was in 2012 when he beat yours truly, the San Francisco 49ers. And so I think that, that Trent Baalke, like locked that away in his file cabinet of people to sign. And he's just collecting, you know, 2011 quarterbacks like it's freaking Pokemon. Like this is his version of Pokemon Go. He just pulls up the quarterback draft board from 2011 and he's like, got to catch them all. Yeah, but not, except that he has only the bad ones. I was just going to say, the only ones that are left are Jake Locker uh, and mm. Andy Dalton. And that, like that's it, I think, of quarterbacks that are left. from well, Locker's out of, out of the league, right? Yeah. So is Ponder. That's not going to stop them, apparently. Nobody would have guessed two years ago that Andy Dalton would be the best quarterback from that class. Yeah. But he is by, you know, far and away. What's well, weird, it's like the best draft class ever, just every QB except for Dalton was a bust. Yeah, if you took anybody else, right? And, and really, that's, you know, that's all, all, always the risk with a quarterback because maybe you're passing on the next J.J. Watt for a quarterback who has a 50% chance of, you know, Jake Locker. What was yeah. it, like the 13th pick and he's out of the league already? This is Kyrie. Uh, I just want to point out real quick that uh, I wasn't aware. I, just, I was just looking at the roster, and I see that the Niners um, actually have the, the, uh, the third best Cromartie playing for them now. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, they've got, they've got a Cromartie. They've got a, a congested backfield. I mean, he's... I, I will oftentimes get the Cromartie mistaken on our podcast. I don't know if it's Antonio or Dominique Rogers. I think he actually just signed it's, a deal. No, it's Marcus. Marcus Ma- Cromartie. See, it doesn't, heard of. it doesn't yeah. even matter at this point. I mean, and look, in, in 18 years, we're going to have so many Cromarties, we're not going to know what to do <laughs> with That's them true. Anyway, the so. whole league is going to be Cromarties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could, you could probably field an entire defense of Cromarties, and I'm, I'm hoping that happens. That would be the worst tackling team of all time. <laughs> did, it, did an Antonio Cromartie have a vasectomy that didn't take? 
Yeah, he's had more kids since then. He the man's, the man's fertile. His penis was literally too powerful for science. But they would have so <laughs> many picks. All right, so, you know, the, the quarterback situation is depressing, but the depth chart of running back, you know, past, past, you know, Carlos Hyde, who I don't know how much you're, you know, expecting from Hyde, and then the entire receiving core is, is, is a bunch of question marks. So, you know, tell me about the skill position players and who you're willing to – you know, who you think could step up and become like an above average player this season. I mean, this really is Carlos Hyde's team to lose at this point. He is going to be the bell cow and he is going to be featured in an offense where he's been successful before. This is a guy who ran a spread offense in college and he is a powerful, successful zone one cut runner that's really going to find some success in Chip Kelly's system as long as the dude can stay healthy. He missed seven or eight games last year. His success rate from uh, Football Outsiders was 49%, which is a damn fine success rate. Uh, and, and so this is really a good, powerful quarterback. You saw that in limited play in the preseason. I mean, th- there's a Vikings fan on the line, so you know exactly what Carlos Hyde can do to you. Um, yep. and, and this is someone who, it, it, it's, a, it's a one of those things where this is both talent and skill meeting scheme. And as long as he can stay healthy, which for Carlos Hyde is the caveat, he is clearly going to be the bell cow and the number one offensive performer for the 49ers. Well, let's talk about their offensive line then for a second. Uh, you know, the offensive line was... I would say it was terrible, but in this division, you have such awful offensive lines with some some of the other teams. So maybe he's not the worst in the division, but this is a really bad offensive line. Now, you traded up to get Joshua Garnett out of Stanford in the first round. Um, I think he had a second round grade because he's a guard, but he was the best. You know, in guards, usually don't go in the first round, but he was the top rated guard that I saw in 2015. He's a great run blocker, so he should help hide. But who else do they have on that offensive line to improve over last season? I mean, last year, a, a wet tissue would have been an improvement over Jordan Devy and Eric Pierce. Uh, Jordan Devy's literal claim to fame is that he was a mean tuba player. Like, that is legitimately <laughs> his claim to fame. There was an ESPN graphic that said, like, you know, played tuba in high school and almost got Tom Brady killed. That's what Jordan Devy's famous for. And that's about what he did in San Francisco. He was a turnstile. Eric Pierce was a turnstile. But what's really, really interesting is you didn't think that was going to be a strength of the team this year, the offensive line. But now it kind of has turned into that. You have Anthony Davis, who returned from retirement, which a lot of people didn't think was going to happen, but he did. And he actually isn't even in line to win back his old job at the right tackle spot because Trent Brown, a seventh-round pick out of Florida, is actually holding him off to remain the starter. Would you he's say he's bullying about- him or like he's just holding him? <laughs> no, he's not bullying him. There it is. Uh, But so you think Anthony Davis might even kick down into guard and Andrew Tiller, who ended up wrestling the job away from Jordan Devy, uh, is going to be in a competition maybe at that right guard spot. Zane Beatles is a left guard and he might actually end up losing out to Joshua Garnett. So and Joe Staley has been, you know, old man river there on the left side. He's been a consistent producer. Kilgore's back from injury. This, for various reasons, is now a, a... not necessarily, I wouldn't call them like a good or great offensive line, but at the point at which you get competent offensive line play, it's going to be such an improvement from last season that you can no longer hang that as one of the terrible, terrible things that is causing this offense to sputter. Uh, who's going to lead the team in receiving yards this season? So I'm probably, I would say it's, it's going to be Torrey Smith, um, and I would say he's probably going to end up with somewhere near 1,000 yards. Uh, wow, but if Torrey Smith has 1,000 yards, then I don't, well, I don't it, know. It, 
it's going to be a volume based offense, right? This is going to they're going to run more plays than everyone else. So even if on a per play basis, it won't be, um, you know, as effective as other offenses. So you, you think of something like DVOA, they might not be, you know, top in the league in terms of their per play performance because of the number of plays and the number of times that Chip Kelly's offense like to t- likes to take shots down the field. You're looking at just a volume offense. You, you also have Bruce Ellington, who's going to be playing in the slot. Another guy who, if he can stay healthy, is in line for a lot of catches. Chip Kelly's offenses in general have a lot of targets and a lot of balls that get thrown around. And so it really is just a matter of opportunity. It's not like, you know, oh, my God, a thousand yard season. He's amazing. It's just that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to do it. Is DeAndre Um, Smelter, is he in the picture at all? At this point, no, because he hasn't been able to come back from injury. And when he does, he's still a little behind, supposedly, in terms of learning the offense. He can't play, then you know you can't really pick up or, or gain in terms of the depth chart. Right now, the top three wide receivers, and these are the guys that are going to get most of the snaps in Chip Kelly's offense because his preferred personnel is three wide, are going to be Torrey Smith and Quentin Patton on the outside and Bruce Ellington as a slot guy. Wow. Um, if I was a defensive so- coordinator, I think I could take the week off if that's the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tory Smith is the only guy who seems like he should be, you know, getting on the field for a On a team I mean I mean offense. I don't know if like the, I, I, the I'm a Jets fan, they're not like uh you know, the greatest team in the world. I'm not a Jets homer. I Tory Smith's the only one of those guys who can make the Jets. You know, I wouldn't well, say you, that. I mean, we don't know that. We don't know that much about like the third or fourth receivers on most teams, though. I mean, I know about okay. enough about Quinn Patton to know he's you know yeah. he's got no upside. All right, so let, let's let's go to a relative strength of this team. Uh, you know, if the offense, uh, other than Carlos Hyde, I suppose, has a lot of question marks. The defense last year was, I'd say, average, which is a strength on this team. And the defensive line, a lot of young potential there. Obviously, you drafted DeForest Buckner in the first round. He looks like a beast. You have um, Eric Armstead, Ian Williams. So, is this defensive line is that going to be the strength of their defense? Absolutely. Or, or actually, I, is it their secondary? Because I see they also drafted three cornerbacks, and they had a pretty good secondary last year. So their secondary is one of those things that is now emerging kind of as a strength that, that wasn't a strength before. Their defensive line is definitely the core of the team. I mean, you've got, of course, Buckner and Armstead, who are the bookend tackles. Ian Williams, unfortunately, losing him to an ankle injury in the offseason was a bit of a blow. But Mike Purcell is actually a strong individual who can play well at the nose. He's a two-down player. Um, and you've got other people who are stepping up this preseason. Even the third round, or the third string guy, Garrison Smith, is making some noise. But Quinton Dial's probably going to fit in that that uh, defensive tackle position, that nose tackle position. He was a fifth round pick who's playing beyond his draft expectations. So that defensive line is clearly a strength for the 49ers. I mean, even Ronald Blair, a fifth round guy who is a high P Spark guy, which I think my Seahawks guy on this podcast probably knows P Spark pretty well. Um, he uh, it's just the score that rates your athleticism. He's also making some noise and is probably going to win a roster spot. So definitely a, a, a strength. But you start to lose that once you get to outside linebacker, once you get to inside linebacker outside of Navarro Bowman. I think the defense is definitely going to be the stronger part of the team. It's going to be up front on the defensive line. And then in the secondary, you've got Jimmy Ward, who I think is going to be the best corner on the team and one of probably the top three or four corners in the NFC West. No. Uh, I would I would just like I have no hatred anymore for the Niners there it's a little too sad to see in the downfall <laughs> but they were they were 27th in defensive DVOA last year so it wasn't really their strength unfortunately they didn't really have a strength they were the worst yeah but their DVOA. defense was what, he's just saying it was better so. than their like <laughs> well it was yeah. it was 27 versus 28 I happen to uh, okay. have researched it well today. you look at what's what's interesting <laughs> about their splits is you look at their split home and away 
away, mm-hmm. they were abysmal. A- a- away, I think they were somewhere near like 28th or 29th in terms of DVOA. But if you look at their home split, home, they were actually up in the in the upper half of the league. I think they were like 15 or 14. Yeah. So yeah, like if, early in the year, you had that game against the Packers when the Packers were going out to their 6-0 start. Or I think you only lost like 17-3 or something, right? Yeah, I, I think the Packers offense at that time was a little overrated. Like I didn't think it was it was that much of a defensive performance. But even then, you look at their DVOA performance week by week, and it was the games at home where they performed really, really well. And when it was away, it just kind of tanked. You think of the game against Pittsburgh where they got blown out. Then Arizona in week three, they got blown out. But their defensive DVOA against Minnesota was really, really good. And then, you know, so it's kind of this home and away split that you saw where when they were at home, their defense actually performed pretty well and they were able to stay in games. But once they got on the road, all of it fell apart. Hmm. All right. So let's jump over to the, to the Rams now. Brad, so you were telling us a little bit, you're, you're from Chicago, you were living in Australia most recently. How did you become a Rams fan? Why did you abandon Jay Cutler and the Bears? <laughs> well, you know, Jay Cutler, uh, I mean, that that's it. You got it right there, man. It's, it's tough to, to be a Bears fan behind Jay well, Cutler and wait, seeing up and down. You can't quit your team because you don't like the quarterback. I haven't quit him. I haven't quit him. I was, I, I was born and raised had a Bears fan. You were born and raised where? I, I mean, born and raised, uh, yeah, born and raised in Chicago, and I was a Bears fan. And um, I went traveling for about three, four years in Southeast Asia and Australia, and I lived out there. And uh, when I moved back, Chicago was just too damn cold. So um, I've been kind of looking to get back to some warm weather. And and like I said, the day I moved out to L.A. was the day they announced they were moving uh, the team out there. And, and really, it just started being excited about having football in the city I was going to live in. And um, taking an opportunity to start, you know, getting diving in more into football and then being able to cover a team. So that's kind of how uh, we started with the Rams podcast, joined up with a good buddy of mine from high school who had been living out here for about 10 years um, and, you know, had, had now become a Californian. So he was ready to rejoin. And that's kind of the thing that's going on here in L.A. right now. You have the people that have been here 22 years ago, really excited about the team coming back. And then you have a bunch of guys and people that either are transplants or, you know, kids that grew up without a team here. And uh, they're really building a fan base, um, both from the past and from the new. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely part of the new portion of it. But it's exciting to to know, um, you know, the city that now I call home is going to, you know, host some NFL football games. Well, Brad, just to be clear, <laughs> just to be clear, Brad. Yes, sir. If, <laughs> if the Rams and Bears somehow play in the NFC Championship game this year, oh, you, you will be rooting for whom? Yeah, that's a great question, and and uh, oh. if I could put Wait, that ticket down on, on, on Vegas for that. The same, you can't have two favorite teams in the same conference. In the same yeah, conference. I would be, I'd be, um, no, I, I would definitely, I would have to, you know, I'd have to wear my Bears jersey. Okay, so you're a Bears, I, I know my you're a Bears fan who lives in the Ram, who lives in LA, so you have a Rams podcast, but you are a Bears fan, not a Rams fan. Are all right, we, I can't even leave him alone. I no, have a question I'm, about I'm the getting Rams. upset. <laughs> yeah, you can keep going all you want. You can call me a bandwagon if you just want to get to it. But yeah, I'm, I'm a Rams fan right now, man. It's exciting in this city. There's a buzz, definitely, uh, you know, coming out here. And, you know, we just did, the, you know, hearing about the 49ers. But, you know, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, the vibe around here is we're the best team in California right now with the Chargers, Niners, and, and Rams. So well, you, forgot the, the Raiders. you forgot the Raiders. The Raiders yeah. are probably saying that, too. Well, hold yeah, on. Well, you're you're well, talking we'll, we'll about the Rams <laughs> being the best team when they are coached by Jeff Fisher. He well, yeah, that's Mr. my question. Yeah. Wait, 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 before oh, we he, even he get to wishes, Jeff Fisher, I got one more thing. He wishes he could go eight and eight, actually, but right now he's been going seven. No more of that seven and nine bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to hard knocks. Also, by the way, I, that's not so bad. The seven and like teams that have guys getting uh, caught with girls in their dorm room. By the way, that guy is no uh, George Costanza. He had no lie 
on the fly there. He should have been like, yeah. that's my sister. No, he, he, well, he did yeah, say. He thought if he yeah. played Who it cool. He thought him? if he played it cool. Who ratted on him? Oh, that's a great question. You know what? I feel like they were waiting for that because he wasn't. He had no chance of making the team. Of course not. Yeah, that he was, was a perfect person that to was make a hard knocks. Of, that so. scene was inventive of hard knocks. Yeah, Let yeah. me ask you a question. You, you said you feel a buzz in the air in L.A. I can only assume that buzz is every Rams fan drinking themselves into oblivion <laughs> at that extension that Jeff Fisher got last week. That is yeah, that, the most insane. I mean, the, the only thing I think that rivals that is when Matt Millen stayed with the uh, with the Lions for year after year after year. Like, what the fuck? If they go is seven the and nine, he's, he's getting fired. They just gave yeah, him free money. I, you know, in the in, I'm with you, man. I think a lot of people were with you, and you know, we actually talked about that on our podcast leading up, saying this year was going to be the proven point for both you know him and Les Snead. And all of a sudden, they come out and they're like, no, we're going to keep him and, and move forward. And it's like, wait a minute, what has he done to really prove that? Um, but I don't know. And here's the thing about the NFL, and you guys can correct me, you know, if you think I'm wrong, but um, I think this is kind of one of those contracts just to give him a peace of mind and keep running through this season He's strong. He's been an NFL coach for about, 20 years. Who cares if yeah, he has exactly. peace of mind? Yeah, exactly. No, I get that. But I get that. But here in L.A., you know, getting a new Are start. Are you giving the fans a peace of mind, maybe? <laughs> no, I think, I think they're trying the to get the coach. The, the crazy thing is what I'm saying I, is what, they can fire him at any point. So contract and this and that is, is oh, all Oh, it's just money, it's just really money out of the owner's pocket, Yeah, out of the evil owner's pocket. So I don't really care if being cranky. Akiva, that's going to filter down to poor people shopping at Walmart, though, so. Yeah, so you know, we'll see if he lasts that whole contract. But I think it was really just to kind of give him, like, you know, we support, you know, we're behind you. We know you can do oh, this. There's for no chance he lasts the whole contract. And then contract. when they and when they want to, they can just pull the plug and and, and he's I gone. Got, I mean, that's the that's the life of them. I have there's one more question, really Brad, before that. we even get to the Rams roster. We really have yeah, for more sure. questions about the Rams, Chester and I, than any other <laughs> yeah, team. Like the of Rams 32. are so uninteresting. I'm no, I'll tell you why. Well, questions. because they're on Hard Knocks, so I, I feel like yeah, I know a lot about them right now. Brad, are you enjoying Hard Knocks? Oh yeah, man. Every every year, like that's the crazy thing about hard knocks. Hard knocks is like you know they did the dolphins. I was into the dolphins for a little. I mean, like not like into oh, we them, believe that you were rooting for them that year. Trust yeah. me. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> you're quarter. You're quarter. But no, I mean, so I mean, hard knocks. The, HBO does a great job, so they're they're killing it, and I uh, can't wait to continue to see. And I think I think we're getting close to making that decision on our quarterback, which is going to be a hard knocks episode staple. What? But it, it's got to happen. Yeah, wait, hold on. Your quarterback, who's supposed to be the leader of your team, he doesn't know where the sun rises. Who and cares? this is where I point I don't, out. I, don't think I didn't know that. He went, I don't think he's the leader of our team yet. He went and, to and school to on say. a campus where he literally saw the sunset into the ocean every single day. Yeah, and a very How good is that college, possible? mind you. Yeah, you know that that pretty boy that got the scholarship because of the golden arm. You know, and you know, I don't know how he got into Cal. I don't know who took his test, but yeah, that was pretty. That was a pretty embarrassing moment for yeah, uh, ninety for him 90% to start to start the, the episode. In the world don't know that. Wait, Chester, I have a question for you. Why for do me? people? Yes, why do people move to LA? And immediately start rooting for the Lakers or Clippers and all the LA teams. In the history of the world, no non-New Yorker has ever moved to New York and become a Met fan or a or a Knicks fan or a Giants okay. fan. It okay. doesn't so happen. Of, okay. Okay. So first of all, you're wrong. No, I'm wrong. Um, LA. No, you're wrong. LA is the city where people are transplants and continue to not root for their team. Like Bill Simmons talks about this all the time. The reason no. he loves LA is because most people are you're, Boston fans, or New York fans, or Chicago fans. Other than Boston people. Okay. Who are you know Akiva, who, who don't abandon on, Akiva, the Boston teams? You're okay, wrong. Akiva, the, there's Akiva, so where, many where, celebrities. Where, Akiva, not where from. Have you, okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on. You're talking about celebrities. Where have you lived in America other than New York? Tick, Tick, Long Island. Tick. Okay, all right. I've lived in Boston, Minneapolis, Washington, Florida. So let, let, let Philadelphia. So let me explain. Wait, federal penitentiaries all, don't count. Yeah, right. most cities. Most people who are not real sports fans come to the city and adopt the teams. When I lived in Boston, every single girl in my law school bought a pink 
B hat when they won the World Series and and all of a sudden became a big Red Sox fan and then they won the Super Bowl and then they won the NBA Finals and then they won the Stanley Cup. It was bullshit. Every single person who was a transplant became a Boston fan except for people who were legitimate fans where they came from. I know tons of people who are Yankees fans because they live in New York and they come to New York. Hillary Clinton, a Cubs fan, when she became a senator from New York, became a Yankees fan. Yeah. Tons of people do that in LA, New York, Boston, any city you come to. Um, so I don't By think the way, it's unique. legitimate question... Uh, yeah. wh- who does Donald Trump root for? Yikes! <laughs> who is he? He's not a Mets oh, fan. I would know if guys, he's a Mets Yankees. Guys, come is on! Is he a Yankee fan? Yeah, he's a Yankees fan. And I've what about that. what about what about football? Is he a Giants guy? Well, no, he hates idea. the NFL because the NFL hates. Oh him. yeah, he hates the NFL. Again, yeah. they're very again, low energy in the NFL. Yeah, very low energy. Again, <laughs> no hands. Yeah. <laughs> Small uh, hands. Yeah, that's, he would fumble too much. Yeah, so Akiva, I don't really think that's true. I think people adopt the Lakers for sure, the way the people in Boston adopt the Red Sox. Right. But they right, don't that's adopt- a terrible take. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that you got to insult women along the way. I'm sure you're happy. Wait, no, he's, he, he's totally right. I was in Boston when the Red Sox won, and everyone was into it. Yeah, 100%. And um, people, yeah. I have friends know, who became We know Yankees people who live in Seattle who become Seahawks fans. You know, yeah. our, our Bears fan, by the way. Talk about another uh, bigamist Bears fan. These Bears fans have no loyalty. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me let me ask uh, let me ask some uh, questions Brad, about the Brad, some questions yeah. about the team. Brad, I was looking at the roster today while we were watching Hard Knocks, and I have a hot. It's not a hot take. It's a statistical take. I think depending on how uh, the cuts go, the Rams team has a chance to be the youngest team in NFL history this year. They don't have a single player with 10 years experience. They have as many players over the age of 30 as the Niners have in their 40s. One. That's just the (laughs) kicker for the Niners. Um, They have four players above the age of 28 on their whole team. uh, For for, uh, reference, the Jets have 10 starters opening day who are 30 or above, plus the kicker and long snapper. So that's half the team essentially who you know is going to be playing. Yeah, so I guess you, I guess with that said, uh, they shouldn't get tired at the end of the year. They should be ready to go. Young buck guys running through the whole season. The funny thing is, well, you mentioned those numbers. I went back and checked, and the Jets were the oldest team last year, also, and they kept the exact same teams. So they're going to be even older this year. But two of the oldest teams in the league were Denver and Carolina, who certainly did not fade as the year went on. They went to the Super Bowl. So being young is certainly not uh, you know indicative of. Uh, of anything, anything, including the fact they played shorter college. <laughs> right. I, I don't think there's any right. data that supports what you said. Although I, I hear what you're saying, but the the point is this team is. Yeah, I was trying to. Young. I was trying to create a angle there. It wasn't. No, yeah, no it's a fair point. But I, the point is this. So team is with that said, I, I, another thing to add to your your little stats there is I actually um, saw stats said the other day that um, no Ram on the current roster was actually even born yet. The last time LA played in the Coliseum with the Rams, so. They actually finished um, and moved down there, you know, um, south and finished their, their there, but no one uh, was actually alive last time the Rams played in the Coliseum, which is pretty interesting to me. But yes, they are a very young team, um, starting right at the top with their you know number one draft pick and, and leading from the beginning. And, and I don't think he's going to start. Obviously, um, he's looked pretty pretty ugly uh, so far this preseason, but. Yeah, they're a young team, and they're going to make some mistakes. Jeff Fisher mentioned it in Hard Knocks, you know, with the guys having the girls in the room and, you know, crashing bikes and, you know, that 7-9 bullshit. And that's something that, um, you know, is up to Jeff Fisher and that coaching staff to kind of lock those guys in and keep them focused and get them back to, you know, winning football and acting like, you know, pros. And that's things like Kenny Britt, who's actually a veteran on this team and the wide receiving core, has got to step up and show all these young guys that we've just – 
you know, added to the team, how to be a professional, how to, you know, go through the process and not, you know, get in trouble or, uh, take reps off or things like that. So there's a lot, it's going to be, it's going to take some internal leadership, both on offense and defense to kind of lock these guys in. Cause like you said, they are young, so they're going to make mistakes. They're going to kind of have the wandering eye and they need to, you know, have someone keep them on focus, keep them on Kenny, track. Kenny Britt, who accidentally posted a sex tape on Instagram once, uh, got into a, pl- got into a car chase with the police, uh, was arrested, I believe, one other time. Uh, he's your team leader. That's good. <laughs> On the wide receiver court, oh, you know, he's got he's yeah, just the wide receiver guys. He's he's got a lot of guys behind him, and and you're right, it is a challenge. You're right, he's not. I'm not saying he's a you know a first class citizen, but um, on that team, he's got to be able. You know, and this is the point. Kenny Britt's one of those guys where it's like, what are you, Kenny Britt? Are you going to be in this league in two years? Or are you going to just be a waste of a six foot? You know, whatever he is, six foot five, six foot six body yeah. that is just like, what are you, what are you doing? So um, these are a lot of step up moments for these guys. Transition time over here. Actually, we thought Jeff Fisher and Lesney were going to be under the microscope at the end of this year, but I think a lot of the players are going to be. So um, you know, it's either do you want to be in the NFL and on on living out in LA and have all these opportunities, or are you going to blow it and um, you know be kicked out around the league? And next thing you know, in three years, you're not in the league. How many yards does Gurley end up with this season? Oh man, that guy's a beast. Um, you know, I think he's definitely going over fifteen hundred. Um, you know, I'd love to see him get in between that. You know, fifteen hundred. Uh, you know, approaching two thousand. I know that's a, a yeah. I'm a sure you sign up for that. Side, but yeah, well, he's on my fantasy team too. Well, okay, so, but you isn't know. the real question here how many games did Todd Gurley play in oh, 2017? Because sure. Jeff Fisher has shown previously he's willing to run backs into the ground. He loves doing it. You know, he basically killed Eddie George. So I think <laughs> you're right. Todd Gurley could carry the ball 400 times this year, and his Rams career might be over before Fisher's. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's going to play the whole year. I don't I don't see him. I mean, he's yeah. he's looking he's good. He, he even said himself he's, he's been the healthiest he's ever been in his career. Obviously, it's a very cliche thing to say when you're coming into camp, but this is his first training camp to really have a whole – um, you know, camp into into the season. He, you know, last year did not obviously set out the first four games, but um, by the end of the season, didn't seem to really have uh, you know any inclination of slowing down. So um, I think he's good for a full year. You're right. Over a long term, I think it's going to be interesting to see how um, his career plays out. But this year, I, I don't see an issue of him playing all games. Well, uh, you know, the mantle of best running back is really wide open. Uh, Chester and I talked at the end of last season about how you know you get past Peterson. There's really zero running backs who have a chance at making the Hall of Fame in the entire league. The biggest, you know, Peterson isn't a star in the celebrity sense anymore because of his off-the-field issues. Uh, so Gurley really has a chance to take the mantle here probably as, like, the running back in the league. I think it would, he would have to get injured not to get it probably. What were you going to say, Chester? Oh, well, I was going to hate on the Rams for a little while. But. <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, the receiving core is an atrocity. Like, do you see anybody, do you see anybody stepping up here? Can I give you a good stat here? Every yeah. single team in the NFL had a receiver last year with 700. Somebody, a receiver running back tied in with 700 receiving yards last year, except the Rams. Yeah. All right, fine. A bad year. In the last seven years, one Ram has done that. In seven years, which was Kenny Britt had two, 748 yards in 2014. Yeah, but you, you asked that question as if the Rams have won is, five of the last seven this, Super Bowls. This is the franchise of Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. Like, what yeah. is happening to the receivers? Yeah, I think once you're saying, I mean, once those guys left, um, you know, name a notable quarterback after Kurt Warner, and there wasn't. You uh, but know, other so was teams no have bad no quarterbacks, and, and you know, yeah. yeah. Se- and you know, seven hundred yards is so- not exactly a tough threshold. Thing. Yeah, like that's not. Yeah, me. for sure. And in the and you're right because um, you know we haven't had that receiver that's going to go get the you know eighty catches to hundred catches and over seven hundred yards. But 
the one thing that you know we are getting, and 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 I understand we are the last, if not the last, we are the second to last in every offense category. So there's not much I can say here, but um, you know Tavon Austin did have ten touchdowns last year. Um, they got they worked him into the you know finding out how to get him the ball, and um, you know only people above him in touchdowns. I mean AJ Green had ten touchdowns last year. So was, and, and DeAndre Hopkins had ten. Obviously they or he had eleven, but. You know, obviously they had a lot more catches and yards and things like that, but um, I really think his nine point one yards per catch was second worst of all receivers in the, of anybody in the league with forty catches. Yeah, and no, and we totally get that, and that's and that's why they addressed it in the draft. You know, we got two big tight ends that are you know pass catching tight ends. Um, they put a lot of, like I said, they put a lot of um, you know weight into Kenny Britt uh, having a big year, and I th- I still think they believe uh, you know Tavon Austin can can get up to that eighty. Uh, catch range that 75 catch range so um, they thought they addressed it with a quarterback uh, it's going to be interesting because Keenum most likely will get the start uh, he looked pretty good in the first couple of preseason games as far as getting the ball around I think they're going to be a lot like you were saying with the the Niners it's going to be some quick passes and and then just uh, get the ball to Gurley I think our offense is going to be obviously uh, run heavy and the, the quarterback all he has to do is just not throw some interceptions and just keep the ball moving occasionally and it's going to be I see actually a lot of similarities and you guys may go off on this but um, to a few years ago when when the Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson obviously they had a better quarterback in, in the start of it but they had a strong defense just like the Rams have a very strong defense um, and they had that beast mode running back which is Todd Gurley in, in now and they basically asked Russell Wilson all right we're not going to have you throw the ball over 25 times just don't make the turnover, complete a couple first downs, and we're going to give it to beast mode and let our defense shut it down. Yeah, but Russell Wilson still- can throw 50 yards in the air, and I don't think uh, Case Keenum can. Yeah, and it, well, if you look back at his, his rookie year, he had he obviously had some of those big plays, but he did he wasn't throwing the ball a lot. You know, it was I don't think I think in his rookie year his his, his highest throws were you know maybe he had a couple games over 25 throws. And everything else was given given the ball to beast mode and then make that clutch throw. So we just need a quarterback that can come in and, and hit a few of those passes and keep the chains moving on a, on a you know possession to possession basis. And it's going to be Todd Gurley's show, like you said, getting the ball four hundred times, maybe you know, and then let our defense go eat. And uh, those you know those guys were you know really good last year at even producing points. So if we can get some of that um, you know this year as well. Um, I think that's going to be kind of the, the basis of their team is strong, strong defense, run the football, and throw as little as possible. Yeah, uh, Chester's also been questioning uh, Case Keenum's Number eyes one. a lot. Um, I think uh, let's move over to the defense side. I don't get that joke. Uh, I'll explain it to you off the podcast. Um, the uh, It was a hot take you had before. Um, over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, uh, listed Aaron Donald as the best player in the NFL last year. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, it, where do you see him and, and, and the rest of the defensive line going? Clearly, that's the strength of the whole team. Uh, you know, like, it, can he get better? Uh, you know, is he going to be the defensive player of the year again? Was it, you know, what, what sort of uh, circumstances maybe would, would have him slip? Like, uh, wh- where's the D-line going? You know, if he stays healthy, you know, I don't see him going anywhere. You know, I mean, he's he's a he's a freak. He's a monster. You know, I was watching highlight of um, just this last game here and he was getting double team, triple team and he's sliding through still. I mean, he's just his, his speed and power combination is just unmatched by anyone on the offensive line. So it all starts from him. And the great thing about it with the defense is he's getting so much attention. You know, uh, Robert Quinn, Sims off the edge. 
um, brokers, these guys are starting to get, um, you know, single coverage. And that's when they start to really get dangerous is when you start to focus on one person, um, that line is so deep, um, adding, um, you know, easily, uh, this year as well. Uh, that front, that front line is just so, so stacked. And then, um, with the key mayors, which is great because he's, he's so versatile. He can play linebacker. He can come up on the line. He can rush. He can drop him back into pass coverage. And I think that's really one of the strengths of the defense is, um, all those guys can play multiple positions and they can fly around. So, uh, they can give the quarterbacks a, a lot of looks and trying to figure out what the hell they're actually doing. And at the same time, you got to still stop that beast right in front. That's coming down, you know, downfield fast. So, uh, like I said before, our defense is really the, the strength of what we're doing, and, and that's going to really determine how our season is. All right, so look, your front seven is elite, obviously. The secondary, though, two of your best three players left in free agency. Uh, Rodney McClure went to the Eagles. Janoris Jenkins went to the Giants. So the secondary looks like it's got some big holes at the moment. Well, Tremaine Johnson, you know, he led the league in interceptions last year. He's obviously back with a franchise tag. Um, a lot of pressure on him to be that elite number one cornerback and really earn that uh, long-term contract um, and listening to him talk I think he's excited about that challenge so it'll be good to see him kind of get that lockdown position the the, the second uh, you know cornerback position is kind of up for grabs right now Cody Sensball, uh Lamarcus Joyner um, EJ Gaines even is actually now back and healthy and they're moving him around so um, although there's you know we, we lost some people um, I think the depth was there, even with um, you know TJ McDonald kind of coming back. He had some issues as far as off the field, but he's now back with the team and making some plays. So um, you're right; that is going to be the the you know portion of our defense that could get taken advantage of. But with those front seven moving so fast, I'm really hoping that they're going to kind of create, kind of make it easier for those guys in the secondary. Um, but you know, Tremaine Johnson's a top end quarterback, cornerback, uh, so. Um, he's just got to lead that lat side and have a couple other people fill in. And I think they should be fine. All right, Akiva, we've, you know, I said at the top that this is a division with the two top teams in the NFL, according to me. And we've just spent half an hour talking about two teams who I think will be lucky to win eight games. (laughs) All right. So why don't we, uh, bring in the Seahawks? You want to bring in your former roommate, Josh Grashen? Yeah, let's talk to Josh. Josh, you can't actually like Russell Wilson personally, can you? Oh, no. Personally, he's just the worst. He's like made in a lab to pitch Barbasol or something. But he is so fun to watch. And I'm sure, uh, as you'll recall, in that horrendous Vikings playoff game, that play that that went over his head, that that just no one else in the league could do that at all. Yeah. The only play in the entire game in which they gained more than 60 yards. Yeah, I remember that play. Yeah. I'm sure uh, that game was just a shit show on both sides. And but like the one play that I mean, listen, I know they didn't deserve to win. But like the one play that they that that won it for him was that play that literally no one else in the league can make. And I read somewhere that they actually practice those broken plays like all the time, like botch snaps. And I mean, they, he has to because their offensive line is so bad. So he's used to running around. But like, you know, those kinds of plays are what make it you know, what make him so special and so unique. And the team is finally his, um, his completely uh, after a couple of years where there was a little bit of a power struggle at the top. Uh, you know, so there's not really much to say about Russ. Like, uh, you, you know, losing Marshawn Lynch, you know, is the team going to take a massive step back in the running ba- game? Do you, th- do you see it as like a real committee? Uh, is, is there someone who you Wait, think... Wait, hold on. Akiva, they didn't have him last year and they were number one in DVOA on offense. So what do you mean a massive step back? You know, on a per game basis, Rawls was actually outperforming Gurley in the like six or seven games that he started before he got hurt. He had more yards per game. He had more explosive plays. Um, he just lacked the same, you know, opportunity. But 
that team's just designed to run the ball. Um, they they don't they don't pass protect at all, but they can run block and um, and, and so I don't expect a big drop off. And I think that they're going to pass a little bit more and take more shots down the field. That that it's possible that they could score um, a little bit more. It, it'll be a little interesting to see what happens at the end of games in fourth quarters that they, where they're winning, um, where they just want to run it down people's throat. Like that's that's where uh, Omarshan just really took it to a different level. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I don't expect much of a drop-off given how they performed last year. Josh, this team obviously is, is stacked across the board. Again, they're number one in my power rankings. They have one huge, huge hole. Last year, they had the worst offensive line in the game. And can I just read you uh, a quick little blurb from Football Outsiders? Uh, this is a hot take. By all means. Uh, here's what it says on their offensive line. The bad news for Seattle's offensive line is that it may have gotten worse this offseason with the free agent departures of Russell Okun and J.R. Sweezy. The latter was Seattle's only starter to rank higher than 25th at his position last year. Gary Gilliam, or Gilliam was the worst right tackle in the NFL, so it's hard to see how it'll work out well to move him to left tackle. Jamarcus Webb was an ineffective guard in Oakland, and now he's the favorite to start at right tackle. Justin Britt, a second-round pick in 2014, struggled as a right tackle as a rookie and then struggled as a left tack- as a left guard last year. Britt was the guy, by the way, who was swallowed alive in that play in the playoffs, right, uh, by Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Britt's terrible. <laughs> I, I, it's shocking that he was ranked, that he was the highest. Listen, they clearly have an organizational philosophy to not go after fixing their offensive line. They didn't sign anyone. They did draft a guard in the first round, which – it was always strange when everyone said that they could have got him later. Listen, I, I don't know that it could be much worse than last year. Um, I think that they, they really like their – they had a, a guard who was a rookie last year who's going to start this year, uh, Glowinski, and, and they, they're pretty high on him. So really the strength of their line um, is, is like in the middle. Their tackles, I think, are going to be an absolute disaster. Um, and I, I think that they're going to have to – compensate in their own way and but i I don't know it it, it's kind of perplexing to see them ignore it year after year uh the way they do all right let's switch to their defense obviously not a lot of holes in the defense their front seven is probably you know one of the best two or three front sevens in the game their secondary you know the same you know along with probably who like the vikings and the cardinals so the only thing about this this defense is they've lost some of their depth in the last year or two they're one or two years older. Are you concerned at all, or you have no concerns about the defense? Um, you know, for the first couple of years after they really emerged, I was always a little nervous that like maybe Richard Sherman was a flash in the pan or something like that. But as long as their their core is healthy, um, I, I still think they're going to be a top three unit every year. I mean, and the core is Thomas Sherman and and really well. I mean, you've also got uh, Cliff Averill and. Um, and Michael Bennett and Bobby Wagner. I mean, like I'm just listing teams that 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 would start on literally just about any team. The only, you know, ironically, the only team that really they wouldn't. Some of these guys wouldn't start on as the Rams, who um, have a habit of beating the Seahawks every year. Three out of the so, last four. You know, it's it's insane. I I don't get it because the Seahawks are obviously way better. Um, and, and every year, Michael Bennett, of course, had some great quote about, they seem to be able to beat us, they just can't beat anyone else or something like that. Um, but, I mean, they have just pro bowlers and, and really all pros at just stacked in positions. And it's really Pete Carroll's defense. And 
that's why, with the exception of maybe Sherman and Thomas and, and probably Bennett, everyone can be replaced. I mean, you put in like that second corner, unless he's really atrocious, like I think it was Kerry Williams last year who just got eaten alive and they cut him um, like five or six games into the season. It, it's Pete Carroll's team and people are, are replaceable. They're kind of like the defense is like running backs for other teams. Like they, they plug and play with the exception of those really core guys. I think Earl Thomas is really like the, the fulcrum on which everything kind of turns um, in that defense. All right, so now let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. Kyrie, to me, the Cardinals are sort of the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals of the NFC. And oh, I mean that as a compliment because, well, in the well, let's start in the regular season. Last year, Arizona was outside Carol outside Carolina obviously went 15 and one but you know people didn't really believe in them Arizona and Cincinnati were the two best teams in their respective conferences and really the question was the health of their quarterback obviously you guys were 11 and 2 the year before when Palmer uh when Palmer went down and we saw what happened to Cincinnati in the playoffs without Dalton but the reason I'm making this comparison is because Pro Football Focus had Carson Palmer as the best quarterback in the regular season last year Pro Football Focus had Carson Palmer as the worst quarterback in the playoffs last year. Worse <laughs> than whatever the hell happened to Houston in that first wild card game. So that's why it's sort of Andy Dalton-esque. And Palmer, you know, he's at, he's at the head of this just stacked offense with weapons all over the place. But he's getting older. He's still – the only playoff game he's ever won in his career was that crazy game against the Packers because of Larry Fitzgerald's miracles. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, my – okay, last season during the regular season, Palmer was a – a uh, MVP candidate, and I, he actually got a vote. He actually got – I mean, it, we got one only. But the point is is that he was a legit contender for MVP for the regular season. Uh, but then my uh, my, my, my co-host uh, on the podcast, a fellow named Brian Lutz, he pointed out, he's like, man, if you, if you put any upper-tier quarterback on our team, we were winning the Super Bowl last year. We just happened to have this dude, Carson Palmer, who had a bang-up regular season and just – couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. But in fairness to Palmer, nobody, nobody played well against uh, Carolina except um, David Johnson. Everyone else on the Cardinals team, offense and defense, even Patrick Peterson didn't have a great game. So it was just, it was amazing uh, to, to see how, how poorly we managed to perform that day. Yeah, the skill position guys are great, obviously. David Johnson, receivers all over the place. Really, the question on this offense, if any, other than Palmer and his health as he gets older, is their offensive line, which is also getting older. I think uh, Evan Mathis, who they signed, is the oldest guard in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a he's a he's the second oldest guy on the team, if I'm not mistaken, behind old man Palmer himself. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the the offensive line is definitely a question mark. But we see the thing is, is that we 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 got we got DJ Humphreys last year. We didn't want him, but we got him. Uh, it, because someone else picked up. I, I think we were trying to get Shane Ray or something like that. Didn't work out. We ended up getting DJ Humphreys in the first round as an offensive tackle, uh, and he didn't suit up last year. Our first-round draft pick, offensive lineman DJ Humphreys, did not even suit up once last year because he was that much of a just immature guy. Uh, but they're all, you know, you, you expect them to talk about the strides they've made, and Everyone's saying that DJ is a different guy this season, and um, you know we we I think Mathis is an upgrade. The O line we have Veldier on the left, that's solid, that's good. Um, Mikey Potty at the guard, that's also good. Mathis, that's good. Humphreys, they say he's getting better. The biggest question mark is that center position, man. AQ Shipley is like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You ever seen this dude's arms? 
You ever seen this dude's arms? He looks like a T-Rex, man. He's got short little stubby. Big dude, short little stubby arms. It's going to be hard for him to rake in uh, defensive linemen and linebackers and whatnot with arms that uh, barely barely stretch out all that far. So uh, it, we had A.Q. Shipley last year, and at the last minute, they went and signed our old center, Lyle Senline, because Shipley wasn't cutting it. So now I guess, I don't know if maybe Shipley stepped his game up or what, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I definitely agree. Um, the offensive line is it's going to be the linchpin because – Palmer is not in any shape to be getting hit all the time. If we're going to do well, it's going to be completely contingent on the protection. Yep. Okay, so let's skip over the defense now. Again, the secondary, other than Seattle and Minnesota, might be the best in the game. You have both Peterson and Teron Matthew, who are both you know defensive player of the year candidates. To me, the linebackers are sort of where you have a hole. You're starting like Deion Buchanan at middle linebacker. He's 210 pounds, which would be small for a safety even. Uh, we actually drafted him as a strong safety, but he was he 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 was so good at what they he's he's like a well what do they call it he's like he 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 like slides between strong safety and inside linebacker they got a weird way of doing things. Um, you sons right. of bitches! Of course, y'all gonna cut out the goddamn Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> listen, okay, we did. Wait, let me ask signed... the question. Let no, the question. I want to talk about you. <laughs> Sorry, I want to talk about. I want to talk about Chandler Jones. I like what him. What do you want I'm to excited. talk about? Chandler Jones. If I can't even hear, then... <laughs> Chandler motherfucking Jones! <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Let's see. Who, who's the least mean to the Cardinals? Niners guy, I guess, now? Niners guy. Tell him about the Cardinals since my mic sucks. <laughs> Well, let's see the Cardinals. The Cardinals are an Aaron Donald away from being about as bad as the 49ers because he could kill Carson Palmer legitimately with one solid blow. You're, you're, no, and, hey, you know, I, Pally, I'm glad that y'all have I am him. revoking your authority to speak about the Cardinals. That is good. You're doing well. Niners guy's doing well. Keep going. I take that back. Kyrie, so we talked about hard knocks before with our Rams fan, and uh, I want to know, uh, I assume you've watched all or nothing. And did you have any, any like, did you learn anything? You have any big takeaways from uh, mu- the all or nothing, the Amazon series, which was much better than Hard Knocks? It was really amazing. Your owner likes it. Your owner likes his dog. That's a takeaway. Yeah, owner the likes most, his dog. The, mo- the most amazing thing I saw on there was the war room on draft day. Yeah. When they when they showed that we didn't even we didn't want David Johnson. Yeah, amazing. We wanted yeah. we wanted Amir Abdullah. <laughs> And yeah. you coaches and GMs never admit that shit. They always come out the next day and say, "Oh, we got exactly the guy we wanted. This is who we were hoping to pick up." You know, and oh, we we did the best we could. Yeah, but well, that was very we, rare to see on the show. Yeah, so let's jump over to best in the division. So this is a division. Let's start at the coach. There's there's four coaches I think in this division with a really strong personality. So Kyrie, try and limit it to one word because you're cutting out a lot. But who do you think is the best coach in this division? Uh, Bruce. Grashen, do you uh, do you agree, or are you gonna pick your nine eleven truther? I mean, it's not like Bruce is a bad coach. He's obviously great, but I mean, Pete Carroll has had the Seahawks playing at like they've been the number one DVOA team four years in a row. Like to to keep that up for four years and to keep them hungry is pretty amazing. I, um, if Arians can do it for more than you know a couple more years, then he's certainly in the conversation. Yeah, you but, don't you don't have to defend Carroll. That's a you know that's a very yeah. Uh, Carroll's Carroll's who do you think Carol's who do you think Carroll's voting genius. for? Who's Pete Carroll voting for? Oh, good question. Well, Katrina Pearson, Trump's official campaign spokeswoman, she she's a nine eleven yeah, truther. Yeah, I, I, so. I could see I could see Carroll. He's Jill Stein or he's Gary Johnson. He's not he's not one of the main two parties. Yeah, I, I would. That's probably true. 
Yeah. Giant meteor. I, I don't. I don't think he votes. It's all part of the conspiracy. Oh, man. you're probably right. Uh, Brad, who's the uh, who's the best coach in the? I'd say no, no. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with Bruce. <laughs> he kind of actually has that um, kind of like the Joe Madden of the NFL, kind of that little quirky genius mm-hmm. in him. That and he's done a great job uh, bringing that team up. So I'd say Bruce. And Oscar, how 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 much is? Arian's stock went up just because of all or nothing. He's so good on that show. He is really good. How many hats? How many hats can one man have? Yeah, Yeah, Joe Madden should get like a fedora. (laughs) Oscar, what about you? Are you gonna? As much as I hate to say it, and I would love to vote for a dude in a Kangol hat, uh, it's I think it's Pete Carroll. All right, so we got two two. Akiva, I'm gonna vote for Arians just because again I can't pick a 9/11 truther as a guy who's supposed to be intelligent enough to be leading an army of men. Akiva, who are you gonna vote for? Oh boy. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love I love Carol and Arians, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Carol. Oh, so now we're still tied at three to three. All right, so no answer. So there. Jeff Fisher is like goddamn Skip Bayless of this show, man. Yeah. All right. Best let, qu- let them do it for more than two years, yeah. Chester, before right. you start voting for Arians. All right. Best quarterback in the division, it's Russell Wilson, right? We don't need to debate that. Wait. I certainly Hands don't. Down. Wait. How many? How many? Wait a second. Right. Wait. Hang on. Hang on. How many MVP votes did Russell Wilson get last year? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's consider that he had he had the greatest four game run in the history of the NFL for a quarterback. Uh huh. How many? How many? How many MVP votes? How many? How many MVP votes did he get? Though was it the Cardinals? I, was, beat I wasn't counting. Was it I wasn't. I wasn't counting. Was it the Cardinals beat writer or Peter King who gave him that that uh, <laughs> that MVP vote? How many? How many? Well, I, that, this isn't this debate is beneath. That, that's that's beneath the debate of quarterbacks. Okay, fine. So Kyrie Kyrie's voting for Carson Palmer. That's fine. All right. Look, am I still choppy? Because I got something to say. Okay. Uh, y'all, y'all was talking about uh, uh, Todd Gurley is the only potential Hall of Famer. Dude, David Johnson had 13 touchdowns last year. In All right, rookie next. Season. Next. Uh, <laughs> Talk about quarterbacks here. Wait, Oscar, did you have a different take? You not I did. I, I, I don't think it's Russell Wilson. I do think Russell Wilson is very, very good. I don't think this is, is a knock necessarily on Russell Wilson, but I think when you're talking about quarterbacking and not necessarily what he brings to his team or how he fits in a system, uh, well, actually, that's not even true, but I, I'm actually going to go ahead and say Carson Palmer. Right now, today, best quarterback in the division. Oh my God. Granted, God. injury, a whole different story, but best quarterback in the division right now, I think, is Carson Palmer. Drew Stanton. Okay. All right. Okay. So, well, here's here. I thought that, that that would be a pretty clean sweep, but the offense debate is a better debate, I think, because again, when you think of Arizona versus Seattle, to me, it's similar to Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh, in that Pittsburgh and Seattle both have the bad offensive lines. Obviously, Seattle's is worse. Seattle's is the worst in the game. And Arizona, again, like Cincinnati, they have they don't just have talent up and down at all the skill positions, but they also have a better offensive line. So, who do you think Grashen is the best offense in the division? It's probably the Cardinals. I think the Seahawks are the most efficient offense in the league because of the way they run the ball. And I think that they like they can control the game better than any team um, in the division, certainly, and maybe in the league. Uh, but like as far as you know, you need one score. You know what? Actually, the more I, I I'm talking myself into the Seahawks because Russell Wilson he always gets you know let's leave out the Super Bowl for one second that wasn't uh, but like he gets the ball down the, like I think the Seahawks are the team you'd want when you're you know down five and you're driving down uh, that's you know you want you want Wilson in the Seahawks. All right, Kyrie, we know what you're gonna say. So Brad, who do you think is the best offense? Yeah, I'm gonna say just hey. for consistency. I think I think it's gonna be the Cardinals this year. Um, I just I'm not really sure 
um, if Rawls is going to be able to take that full load, and if it's not going to be him, if there's going to be you know running back by committee, if they're going to be able to replicate what they did last year. Um, so I think on, on consistency, I think it's going to be uh, the Cardinals. All right, and, and Oscar, I assume you say the same since you think Palmer's better than Wilson anyway. Yeah, I do. I think the Cardinals have an offense that just – I was going to say the Rams. <laughs> The Rams, I said last year, you know, I don't know if you, for those who weren't listening to the podcast last year, Akiva was all about the Rams early in the year. Because I'm a Vikings fan, to me, Greg Williams is the most hated. I mean, Greg Williams is like somewhere between oh. like like Trump and Hitler. <laughs> so and Jeff and, and Jeff Fisher and look, Jeff Fisher, because he employs Greg Williams, he's like the like the the Joe Paterno to Greg Williams is Jerry Sandusky. Oh, so the Rams wow. is a franchise oh. that I, des- I despise. <laughs> Their offense, I declared last year, was the worst in the NFL. And I think I was really proven uh, – this is before Todd Gurley was even playing, by the way. But um, you know, I think they have the worst receivers in the NFL. They have the worst offensive line other than maybe Seattle. We were the worst, and so, we really don't so, want to be sorry, the best. Brad. We just want to yeah. be in like the middle, and I think we'll be all right. If we can just go from last place in the league to somewhere around the mid-teens, then that's going to be a huge step for the Rams. Is there is there a team more likely to employ Greg Williams than the Rams, who like are always the most thuggish team in the league? I don't know. The Bengals are uh, – you know. Yeah, well, that one guy on the Bengals, but it was more than one guy. There's a history of cheap shots under Jeff Fisher. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Fisher's a terrible person. By the way, I looked. I've been looking it up for the last few minutes. Ron Borges, the Boston writer, was the only guy to vote for um, Carson Palmer. uh, uh, Carson Palmer for MVP. Oddly, Brady got one vote, but it did not come from Boston guy. It came from Fred Goodell, who's I guess my old boss. The uh, the did Wilson get did Wilson get any? No, it was 48-1-1. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, okay, right. so what about defense? We'll start with you, Brad. Uh, who has the best defense in this division? A lot of strong defenses. I'm, stick, I'm sticking with the L.A. Rams with that one. I mean, I think their, their front seven is just going to create, you know, a you know, field day for the rest of the defense in, in, in the secondary. So I'm, I'm curious to see if the Seahawks are going to be able to uh, keep strength and continue to be the level that they have been. And I think it's uh, the year of the Ram for the defense side. What about you, Oscar? So I actually think that while the Rams have more talented players just kind of scattered across their defense, you're still going to be hampered by Jeff Fisher and his magnificent mustache. It's just a permanent cap on how good they can be. So I still think it's the Seattle Seahawks. I think that they know their system. They have the players to run it. Uh, and they've had some losses in free agency. But I think at the end of it all, they're going to have the best defense uh, over the Rams. And Kyrie, what about you? If there was a category wherein I wouldn't pick the Cardinals, it might be the best defense. I might I might pick the the Seahawks. Uh, Cardinals. Arizona All Cardinals. Right, uh, Josh. Josh, we got a 1-1-1 one, one, one tie. Are you going to pick uh, San Francisco or are you going to break the tie? <laughs> I'll probably break the tie. I mean, it's it's almost funny to hear that other people would say not the Seahawks, and given that they've been the best for four years running in the division. Uh, the Rams do probably have more overall talent, but I think Oscar said it pretty well. Um, like, they're never going to, you know, they, they just aren't as well coached. So, yeah, I have to go with the Seahawks. All right, Akiva, I just want to point out that the uh, that Kyrie thinks the best coach, quarterback, offense, defense, and division all belong to him, and Josh thinks they all belong to him. So I think we know who's going to be picking uh, whose uh, wins and losses when we get to the uh, predictions part of the podcast. <laughs> okay, nice. That, that, that should be interesting. <laughs> all right, you want to uh, do the roster game? Yeah, we'll play a quick roster game. No cheating. Uh, so let's start with Brad. A- ask him a guy on the Bears. 
<laughs> do you want? Yeah. Do you want a Cardinals guy? Or you want a Bears guy? Just bring it. I'm the Cardinals guy. I'm the Cardinals guy. You mean the Rams? Rams. Sorry. 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 Uh, who's Brandon Chubb? Brandon Chubb. Um, I believe that is a uh, linebacker of ours. Um, mm-hmm. But besides a fancy, who's fancy, fancy last name, um, I got, I got, I got nothing more. Be- besides that, he's probably just a um, you know depth player that's going to do some special teams for us. And uh, yeah, I don't got much on Brandon Chubb. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Okay, let's go to the uh, the Niners. Oh, are you going to choose Prince Charles Awara? No. Because that's going to be an all-name team guy that's right there. That's a name? Yep. Prince someone, Charles Awara. That's, that's yep. an awesome That's an awesome name. Tell me about uh, Tony Gerard Eddy. That's, that's another good name. Oh, Tony Gerard Eddy. So, he's a, yeah, he's a defensive end slash tackle out of Texas A&M. And as a, a Longhorn myself, uh, you got to say hook up at this point because Texas, I don't care if they're not in the same uh, division, they're still better than A&M. But uh, he's a guy who is kind of on the roster bubble, edge of the, the roster. You thought he was going to get cut last year, managed to stick around, has some positional versatility, can play outside linebacker, can kind of kick in. Depth guy, probably going to get cut. Um, but, you know, he could also make the roster, but he's going to be on the edge. So um, going to be another all-name guy. Um, but, yeah, that's, right. that's Tony Gerard Eddie. That was good. Damn. Uh, Josh, that was impressive. Well, Josh, let's see if you could match him. Uh, talk, no talk, to me about, talk to me about Quayshawn Neely. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. All right. He's a, uh, I, I have no he's idea. a linebacker out of Georgia Tech. How do you uh, not know about Quayshawn? Yeah. Is he even on the – is he still in, in camp? Yeah, I mean, he's on the team's website still. as on the roster, so. Oh, all right. Maybe they, well, they, it's sorry. possible they just haven't gotten around to deleting him yet, but. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. They're He's not going to be glitch. on this. I can promise you he won't be on the team. I want to I ask Kyrie about Matthias Farley, who doesn't have a number. He's listed as 33D on the roster. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not, they're not, not only are they not committing, him, committing to give him a number, he's not even B or C at, at the number 33. I don't know who that is. Like I, I've never heard his name before. You just told it to me. So Okay. Uh, Kyrie, who's Givens Price? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's loud. Sounds like a noise that's meant to mask the uh, typing of. Uh... <laughs> um, I think the correct answer is a failed contestant on the Price Is Right. I, uh, I got it. I got it with a name like Givens Price. Said he'd have to be. I have no idea who Givens Price. I'm assuming he's. You on guys the also have roster. a guy who has the same first name and last name. I don't know how to pronounce it. I O S I A I O S I A Isaiah Isaiah something like that. But same first name, wait, same last name. Wait. Um, okay. I want to know what he does. What's he do here? I think that's just uh, an error. He's uh, he's like a cheerleader, I guess. I don't know. He's um, he is a, a like a linebacker. Hold on, man. Are you guys gonna ask me who the oldest person is? I know that one. Carson Palmer. <laughs> Who's the oldest? Per- no. Is uh, it not? <laughs> no, no, it is. I'm not gonna ask you. Uh, he's a defensive tackle from West Texas A&M. Not regular Texas A&M. West Texas A&M. All right. Oh, uh, the directional as, schools. As as always, that segment was a huge success. <laughs> <laughs> it's never failed once. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump to predictions now. We 
are having people pick their rivals schedule and we're, we're definitely going to have uh, our Rams and our 49ers fans pick each other just because I want to see Kyrie and Grashen uh, uh, pick each other as well. So uh, we're going to start with the Rams schedule, I guess. And uh, Oscar, you're going to tell us uh, how the Rams are going to do this year. All right. Oh, this one's super easy. I don't even have to think about this one. It's Jeff Fisher. It's Jeff <laughs> yeah. Fisher. You've got two options, eight and eight or seven and nine. Those All are right. the only two options on the table right now. All right. So wait. So hold on. We're going to go game by game and see if we get eight and eight or if we get seven and nine. This is going to go terribly. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll win eight. They'll, they'll beat the Cardinals. They'll beat the, they'll beat the Seahawks and then they'll lose on the other flip-flop game because that's what they do at the end of the day. They're going to end Jeff up Fisher eight eight. hasn't actually gone eight and eight in like five years, has he? Like he I know he this is going to be this is going to be a team that like if you give this team to like say I don't know Jim Harbaugh or someone or shoot even Chip Kelly, this team could legitimately compete for a wild card. But it's going to be coached by Jeff Fisher to a perfect eight and eight coast. This is what he does. He has built a career off of mediocrity and like two seasons where he had a really good quarterback and he's just coasted off of those Tennessee teams into the 8-8 eight and eight sunset. And by the way, if not, for, if not for the Music City Miracle, then obviously they don't even make the Super Bowl in 99. And then Jeff Fisher probably is right now, you know, a defensive coordinator for some uh, Pac-12 team or something. That's exactly uh, right. That, no, like, right. That's what he's done. So your 49ers, like they did last year, they opened the season at home in the late Monday night game. Uh, last year, obviously, that was a very anomalous game, given how the year went for both Minnesota and San Francisco thereafter. But what happens in week yeah, one buddy. when the Rams visit San Francisco? Uh, when the Rams visit San Francisco, um, you know, I- I'm probably going to say that it is going to be a week one win for San Francisco. It'll be one of the maybe five games they win all year. Um, but it- it's going to be one of those things where I think week one provides so teams like a really big opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a unique opportunity to not have a lot of film on a team. And that's going to catch, I think, uh, the uh, the Rams a little bit by surprise. But I think it's going to be a close, hard-fought game. Someone, again, Aaron Donald's going to kill someone, probably. All right. Um, but, but okay, yeah, so, so, okay, so the Rams start 0-1-1, and then it gets harder. Uh, week two, they play at home against Seattle. At home, they win. Oh, wow. Well, I guess that's been happening in St. Louis, so maybe it happens in L.A. as well. All right, then they go on the road to play Tampa. They Up lose. Coming. All right, and then they go to, at Arizona the next week. They win. Oh, win in Arizona for the Rams. And they did that last yeah. year. Didn't they win like 24-22? Something yep. like that? Mm-hmm. All right. So two and two with a couple of uh, wins against the uh, top teams in their division. Then they come home to face Buffalo. They lose. All right. Uh, yeah. So they're beating the good teams and losing to the bad teams. Then they go at Detroit the next week. They win. All right. So three and three. And, um, and then they come home to face – or no. Then they go to London to face the Giants. They lose. All right. And then after the bye, they face Carolina. They lose. All right. And then they go at New York to place the Jets. They win. All right, so a lot of road wins here. They're up to four and five, and they come home to face the Dolphins. They win. All right, five and five. Then they go on the road at New Orleans. They lose. And then at the Patriots. They win. A win at the Patriots. Wow. <laughs> you're, are you you're just detect- going, yeah, you're you're just going loss, a win, loss, win. You're so annoying. You're detecting a pattern here. <laughs> oh, what a troll. All right, um, you're annoying. But all right, okay, fine. Then they come home to face the Falcons. <laughs> what was the last one to win? So it's a loss. <laughs> And then they go at Seattle. Really, they're going to sweep the Seahawks this year? No, no, no. They're not going to sweep the Seahawks. They split the series with the Seahawks. No, you had them winning week two at home. Yeah, so they lose this one. Okay, so that's two losses in a row. Yeah, (laughs) I know. You've got to throw mix it up in there. You've got to have some variance. (laughs) All right, so six and eight, and then they come home to face San Francisco. So they're six and eight. They win against San Francisco. All right, and then uh, New Year's, they face the Cardinals at home. They win that one. All right, so you think the Rams are going to eight and eight. I think that's actually pretty generous. But uh, what do you think, Brad? How would you take an 8-8 eight eight season? Not good, man. 
I think uh, I think we're better than that. I think um, I think we can beat the Saints. I think we could beat the Bills. Yeah, but he also had you beating um, the Patriots and the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And- yeah, take well, take a couple of those away. But I think I mean we like I said we've won three out of the last four against the Seahawks and we've um, fought the Cardinals really good. So it's really not the teams in our division that have been an issue in the past. And if you look at last year, we missed we lost three games on the leg of our kicker. Uh, we were you're, seven you're nine, obviously. We, last year they played in St. Louis, and you weren't even a fan of there. So, <laughs> hey, listen, when you jump on board, you jump all, all right, in. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> all right, okay. So now we'll let you uh, turn about as fair play. So week one, right. uh, now you're doing San Francisco. Obviously, week one they host your Rams, as we said, the late Monday nighter. So they're going to lose that game. All right, and then a week, t- uh, then it gets much tougher. Week two at Carolina. I think they're going to lose at Seattle. Start zero and three. Then at home, but against the Cowboys. I think they win that game. All right, and then at against the Cardinals. That's a Thursday um, nighter. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say lose. All right. One and four. Then they go at Buffalo. Win. Oh, okay. Wow. You guys don't like Buffalo at all. Uh, and then at home against Tampa. I think they'll go back to back and win. Oh, wow. So three and four heading into the bye. So already better than last year with Chip Kelly. Then the, out of the bye, they face the Saints at home. Lose. All right. And then uh, at Arizona. Lose. And then the Patriots. Lose. All right. And then at the Dolphins. Win. And then at the Bears. A big, ugly loss. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your other team. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, they come home to face the Jets. Oh, man. The Jets could – I don't know. Okay. Um, we'll, say, uh, we'll say win at home. Okay. So they, they got to win. They're up to five and eight, uh, although at this point it's just hurting their draft stock probably. The next week they go yeah. at Atlanta. Uh, they're going to lose. All right. And then at the Rams. <sighs> lose. And then they finish season at home against the Seahawks. Let's just mix it up. Let's have them be a little spoiler, and they're going to kick the Seahawks out of a wild card position, and the Rams are going to sneak into the wild card loss. Seahawks miss the playoffs. Oh wow! So six and ten for the 49ers. Oscar, what do you think about six and ten this year? I think it's, it's not too Chip far Kelly's off. first season. I don't think that's too far off. I had them really at five wins. I think that Atlanta is probably is a team they always play well against. New Orleans, I think Drew Brees' neck is still recovering from that Ahmad Brooks sack from a couple of years ago. So I would probably flip-flop a couple of wins and losses in there maybe, but five and six wins is about where this team's going to be. All right, uh, Kyrie, yes. we'll ask you to do the Seahawks. They start week one at home against the Dolphins. Win. All right, then they go at the Rams. Win. Then at home against San Francisco. Win. And then at the Jets. Probably a win, win. All right. Then uh, they have an early bye week. Uh, I think they're taking off for the Jewish holidays or something. And then uh, week six, they're facing the Atlantic Falcons at home. Win. All right. So 5-0 and oh, and a huge game on Sunday Night Football as they go into Arizona to face the Cardinals. 5-1. and one. Lose. Okay. They lose that That's game. understandable. All right. Then the next week at New Orleans. I think, I think, they, I think they win that one. I think they beat the Saints. All right, and then the next week they come home, Monday Night Football against Buffalo. They got to beat the Bills. And then they go at the Patriots on Sunday Night Football the next week. That's a great game. Lose. All right, and then they come home to face the Eagles. Win. And then they go at Tampa. Win. And then they're home against Carolina on Sunday Night Football. Lose. Okay, and then they go at Green Bay the next week. Win. They finish the season against the division. In week 15, it's at home against the Rams they on lose, Thursday night. That, 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 that's their annual loss to the Rams. They lose this one. Okay. And then they uh, the next week on Saturday on Christmas Eve, they're facing the Cardinals at home. Uh, they lose. 
oh wow, so the Cardinals sweep Seattle this year. Yes. And then they're and then they're ten and five, and then they're at San Francisco, and they you know they might need a win to get into the playoffs. And they win this one. Okay. All right. So eleven and five, Gresham. What do you think about? I think that's what you picked them to go last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think. I mean, listen. It's hard to to predict. I think some of those games uh, under underplaying how well they play in prime time, and then some of those games, like I think. It's it's kind of it's hard. I think you know how could you predict more than eleven or twelve wins really in a season because you never know what could happen. So I, I probably thought they would go eleven and five or twelve and four. So it's kind of the right the right you know area. All right, now you tell us what the Cardinals are going to do. By the way, I saw the Cardinals over under. I don't understand. Like, do I guess people in Vegas just really don't respect the Cardinals? Because again, to me, they're one of the top two or three teams in the league. But you know. Their over/under is nine, whereas like Pittsburgh's is ten and a half, and Pittsburgh doesn't. I wonder have if it's defense. just related to his uh, to Carson Palmer's health because he's like a strong gust of wind away from getting injured yeah, for but, the rest but of he's, the year. But he's, so. but he's healthy right now. Yeah, I mean, you, it's could, weird. you could say that it's about weird. Tony Romo. I, it's weird about nine. All right, uh, okay, so let's weird. let's go through their schedule, see if they can uh, get over that nine. Uh, right. Week one, Sunday night football against the Patriots without Tom Brady. I think they win that. All right, week two at home against Tampa. Uh, they probably win that. All right, then week three at Buffalo. I feel like that's a weird game. They might lose that one before the Bills really self-destruct. All right, and then week four, they're back home against the Rams. Win. All right, and then week five at San Francisco on a Thursday night, short rest. Win. Win. All right, and then the next week, Monday Night Football, so 11 days off to face the Jets at home. Win, I guess, at home. They're pretty good at home. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give them the win. And then the next week, uh, third primetime game in a row that, uh, against your Seahawks, Sunday Night Football. Where is it? It's in Arizona. In Arizona? Still, you know what? I like the Seahawks in that. Arizona, they, they... Arizona games are always like home games, for, you know, half the crowd. Yeah. Sorry, Kyrie. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the next week, uh, they go at Carolina. That's another great game. That game will be late on Fox, so most of the country will be watching that. That's a loss. All right, so yeah, so a couple of tough games there. They're 5-3 and three headed into the bye, and then they come out of the bye. They face the San Francisco 49ers at home. That should be a pick up. Yep. Then they go at Minnesota the next week. Ooh, that's a tougher game than I think that they should have lost the game that they played last year, and that was at home. Um, I'll give the the Vikings a win there. All right, and then they go at Atlanta the next week. Win. All right, and then uh, they're home against Washington the next week. Win. All right, so they're back up to eight and four headed into the stretch run. They go at Miami in week fourteen. Probably a win. And then they come home to face the Saints. Win. I don't know. I don't think the Saints are going to be good. So they go from six and four. They win four in a row. Now they're ten and four, and they're at Seattle. And uh, this will be probably a game with the division on the line. Uh, I mean, you know, I have my hesitancy about picking Seattle to sweep that series, but who knows? Carson Palmer might be dead by then. I'll I'll go with the the win in Seattle in prime time. For the Seahawks, you're saying? Yeah, win for oh, sorry, so a yeah. loss. Okay, the all right, and then and then they're ten and five, and now they all of a sudden need a win, uh, maybe in week seventeen at the Rams, who beat them last year, to uh, get eleven wins and probably um, make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the Rams often pull these games out, but I think the Cardinals uh, will, will pull it out. I don't think the Ra- I think the Rams are not going to be all that good. All right, so we've both eleven and five for the Cardinals and the Seahawks. We won't figure out the tiebreakers now, but uh, Kyrie, what do you think about eleven and five for the Cardinals this year? Uh, that that sounds pretty reasonable. I don't I don't think we're gonna get swept by Seattle, but I mean we'll probably drop one of them. Uh, I mean we usually do, so that that actually sounds like a pretty reasonable assessment. All right, so yeah, so we have uh, eleven and five for Arizona and Seattle, eight and eight for the Rams, and six and ten for San Francisco. More or less the same of what we saw last year. 
uh, for this division. But uh, maybe the Rams are closing that gap a little bit. Let's uh, let's go to our, our last little segment here. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. <laughs> Tell me, what's the thing you hate most about your uh, 2016 Arizona Cardinals, Kyrie? The uncertainty at what we're going to do for quarterback when Carson Palmer is done playing football. I, I wish we would have gotten... I wish we would have gotten somebody a bit younger instead of a stopgap guy that's only going to be good for a few years. I know, right. I know, I know that has nothing to do with 2016, but it's honestly, it's 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 the most. But I, I feel like the 2016 Cardinals don't have a lot of weak points, so like there's really nothing bad about them. But I don't like how old our quarterback is. Okay, Josh, what about you? What do you hate most about Seattle? I think it's their stubborn unwillingness to to address the offensive line. Um, and it just seems like they are so, they would be so far and ahead the best team in the league if they had a league average offensive line that to ignore it seems like they're, they're always, you know, have to try a little bit harder to do what they do on offense. And I, and I just can't wrap my head around it. I don't, I don't really understand it. All right. And Brad, what about you? What do you hate most about this Rams team? I would say going with uh, Case Keenum starting the year and, and our backup plan is Jared Goff, who, um, although number one pick, um, doesn't seem to feel comfortable at all yet in the NFL. And uh, to combo that, knowing that um, typically we thought if this was going to be a failure of the season, Jeff Fisher would be gone and we'd have someone else and knowing that he's going to be around for multiple years. So it's a combination of uh, sketchy quarterback play and a long-term deal for our, our man Jeff Fisher. All right, and Oscar, as you uh, shed a tear, you see Jim Harbaugh turning uh, another moribund, once great institution into a champion again in, in Michigan. And you guys are starting over yet again with Chip Kelly. What do you hate most about the 2016 Niners? I hate the fact that I have to look at a quarterback that is Blaine Gabbert uh, leading the team, at least in the, in the opening weeks. I hate that I have an owner who can't get out of his own way. Uh, I hate that this franchise can't seem to get their heads out of their own damn asses and put together a competent football team. But the offense is going to be real fun. Yeah, well, look, when we did our Hall of Fame podcast in January or whatever it was, I went on a rant. Eddie DeBartolo Jr. was a criminal. DeBartolo's uh, involvement in the corruption case of Louisiana, Louisiana governor. He would bribe somebody for a million dollars. He also uh, he sexually assaulted a cocktail waitress, you know, fined from the NFL and was banned from controlling the team for a year. So, But he also, I think he was beloved by a lot of the players, and they did win some Super Bowls. So. And they rewarded him and stuck him in the Hall of Fame. So... Being an incompetent owner doesn't uh, hold you back from getting accolades for the 49ers. Hot take. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a complete fallacy to say that because he's a terrible human being, which I can even grant you that, that he's an incompetent owner. Yeah. Those two things don't follow. Oh, okay, oh, okay. No, that's true. No, that's definitely true. Look, I'm the one who's stuck rooting for a team with Adrian Peterson as our uh, workhorse. And all he does is whip the testicles <laughs> of a three-year-old child with, with a branch off a tree. So yeah. Who hasn't done that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Look, we call that Thursday in my household. Right? Yeah, that's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when in Rome. Go on. All right. Okay. So, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining our podcast today, uh, 32 Fans in 32 Days. Once again, Kyrie is uh, on Twitter at Kyrie, K-A-R-I-0-9-1. And uh, he has the weekly uh, Kyrie's Cardcast on YouTube where he has the same – his YouTube channel is the same name. Uh, Josh can be found in Columbus, Ohio, uh, relaxing in his home with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Seahawks games. I, I did see you. I think I think you posted on Facebook. You were like inviting people to come over, weren't you? 
Yeah, anyone wants to come to Columbus? Yeah, so I'm I'm just I'm just projecting that uh, that invitation to a uh, slightly larger audience. <laughs> uh, Brad, the co-host of the Rams podcast, it's at ramspodcast.com or just search for LA Rams podcast. Uh, hey. Rams podcast also on Instagram hey. and Twitter. After this is over, everybody should all go to rams.com. Not the Rams, not LA Rams, just rams.com. Do it. It's a, it's great. Wait, are you going to tell us what it is? Or <laughs> No, 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 no. It's a secret. You have to go to Rams. It's not viruses or nothing bad. It's just rams.com, dude. I'm looking at it right now, and it's pretty fucking great. <laughs> I will admit I've, I've ended up there a few times on just trying to quick search into the Rams. Oh, oh that, that's Kyrie, not Brad. I, I yeah. No, was that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, is that a, is that something a website you need to go to with uh, with your no. anonymous? No, it's, it's a no. it's an appreciation website about the animal rams. It's a bunch of majestic ah, pictures ah, okay. of right. rams doing ram shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and then of course uh, Oscar is the uh, producer and host of the Better Rivals podcast, which is Better Rivals on Twitter, or just uh, search Better Rivals in your favorite podcast app. Thanks, guys, for so much for joining us, and uh, good luck to your teams this year. And uh, we may speak to you uh, down the road as your teams uh, progress to the 2016 season. Go Thanks, Rams, guys! Bye, everyone. Go, go, go. All right, guys, have a good night. Bye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.